Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. In prepping this episode of the pod while keeping an eye on the latest news out of Ukraine, we went back and forth about like, oh, should we do a book that explains the money behind the Kremlin or a book that sheds light on Putin's possible intentions? But war isn't just about the decision makers. It affects a whole swath of people with little to no influence on global policy. Now, yeah, that's an obvious point, but I think one that's easy to take for granted when paying attention to the geopolitics. And it's a point that's at the center of the novel we're bringing you today. It's A Constellation of Vital Phenomena by Anthony Mara, and it takes place in Chechnya, which has its own history of war with Russia. And in this interview from 2013, Mara tells NPR's Jackie Leiden why he wanted to write a novel about people caught in the middle of conflicts, or as he puts it, about surgeons and not the soldiers. This message comes from NPR sponsor Live Right, publishers of Left for Dead. Shipwreck, Treachery, and Survival at the Edge of the World by Eric J. Dolan. The true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812. Available wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. The debut novel from writer Anthony Mara happens to be set in a world that most of us only have conjectures about, Chechnya, the war-torn Russian republic which has long sought its independence. Mara traveled to Chechnya to write a lyrical and heartbreaking novel set amid daily violence. People disappear, informers betray, and those with humanity suffer, but not before adding to a tapestry that is compelling and spellbinding. It involves two doctors colluding to save the life of a child. The novel is called A Constellation of Vital Phenomena. Anthony Mara, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. This is a beautiful novel, and you apparently started studying Russian while working as a night porter in Edinburgh. And I know you're from Washington, D.C., so how did that happen? I spent my junior year abroad, um, first in Prague and then in St. Petersburg. And the summer before that, I worked at a five-star hotel in Edinburgh as as a night porter. And I had a lot of long hours, and then I had one of these do-it-yourself Russian textbooks, and, and I learned the alphabet and, you know, a few phrases. But I wasn't exactly goodwill hunting. <laughs> well, if that uh, kept you up at night in order to do your job, that really turned out to be in a good place. But this novel starts in a very dark place. A constellation of vital phenomena begins when the man named Doka has been taken away by Russian troops, and his friend knows that he's never coming back. And that man is Ahmed. He rescues Doka's daughter. Tell us who these people are and what happened. The novel begins, as, as you said, in this village in 2004 when this man, Ahmed, who is a hapless and complacent but good-natured doctor, watches as his next-door neighbor is abducted by Russian soldiers. And later on that evening, he finds this eight-year-old girl, the neighbor's daughter, hiding in the woods, and he takes her to the only safe place he can think of, which is a hospital run by this brilliant and unsentimental surgeon named Sonia. And Sonia agrees to take in this girl, and these three characters and the unusual family they form really stay at the heart of the book. You're writing about those who are touched by the war, but these aren't the decision makers. And they're people who try to 
make sense out of things. Sonia and another woman are basically the only ones left at the hospital. It's why she wants Ahmed to work with her. Absolutely. I was much more interested in, in writing a novel about the people sort of caught in the middle of all this. It's a novel about surgeons, not a novel about soldiers. It's a novel about people who are trying to transcend the hardships of their circumstances by saving others. Why did you decide to set your novel in Chechnya? I studied, as, as I mentioned, in, in St. Petersburg, and I arrived shortly after the Russian journalist Anna Politkovskaya was assassinated, presumably for her reporting from Chechnya. On Russian crimes there, and of course she was Russian and she was murdered in Moscow. Exactly, yeah. And I lived in an apartment uh, a few blocks from a metro station where Russian veterans of the Chechen wars would come to talk, to drink, to ask commuters for spare change. And so Chechnya was very much in the air there at the time. And I realized that, like many Americans, I didn't know the first thing about it. So I began reading uh, various histories and, and journalistic accounts of the region and quickly became fascinated with it. It's, it's a region that's inspired writers like Tolstoy and Lermontov and Pushkin. It was really these stories, though, of ordinary people trying to retain their humanity despite the vast geopolitical forces attempting to strip them of it that really um, moved me deeply. They considered you a tourist when you went there, right? Yeah, I went there in July of 2012. It was after much of the book had been written, and it was more of a fact-checking expedition than a, a research trip. For example, in, in a previous version of the book, there was a scene set on an escalator. And when I got there, um, I actually visited the first escalator to be built in Chechnya. And it was built three years after the, the scene in my book took place. And people would bring their kids to ride and play on this escalator. And so I had to go back through and, and take out any extraneous escalators. <laughs> you do have a lot of the creative experience woven through the text. One of the protagonists who we've been talking about, the doctor, Ahmed, has carved the faces of disappeared villagers and hung them on trees. The little girl who's rescued after the abduction of her father, Hava, is always inventing these amazing persona and costumes. When you went to Chechnya, uh, did you see people doing creative things that tried to make sense of the world around them? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that one of the natural impulses to destruction is creation. When I was in Chechnya, I met a man there named Adam, and he has spent the past 20 years building this replica of the village he grew up in. He began it with just a few series of, of outbuildings, and then he began quarrying stone from the mountain to build these uh, stone watchtowers. He dug irrigation canals. He dug a lake. He spent several years searching for the exact boulder to create this strange museum, this salvaged lost world that was partially based on his childhood village and partially based on this idyllic image of a Chechen past he had in his mind. Where does this beautiful title, A Constellation of Vital Phenomena, come from? I was flipping through a, a medical dictionary, as one does. As one and, does. <laughs> and um, I came across this definition for life. It was a constellation of vital phenomena. And the sub-entry was organization, irritability, movement, growth, reproduction, and adaptation. And as life is structured as, as a constellation of these six phenomena, the novel is structured as a constellation of six point-of-view characters as they run from and search for and collide with and ultimately find one another. That's Anthony Mara, author of the new novel, A Constellation of Vital Phenomena. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. 
This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.